Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. And this is where pet lovers unite. If you love your pet, gather around the radio, grab your pet, bring them around the radio. If you've ever lost a pet, and I don't mean like just took off out the front door and you didn't put a microchip so you couldn't find them anymore, but if they passed away is what I'm talking about. And for a lot of us, that happens uh, because pets, you know, they, they generally live a pretty short life compared to ours. That's too short. You could be absolutely grief-stricken by the loss of an animal. We're going to have an expert on today who's going to talk a little bit about that. And also, if you love yourself some pit bulls like I love myself some pit bulls, you're going to want to And hear... I do, too. Yeah. Well, Me you've too. got three in the studio there, or <laughs> two in the studio there. Yes. In fact, you're kind of loyal only to bulldogs, I noticed. Yeah. Bulldogs or pit It's the bulls? bully breeds that get me the for bully some breed. reason. You know, you only hear about them in the news usually when they've done something horrific. But we've got some great news stories about pit bulls that have been trained to be canine police officers. And that's coming up in just a few minutes right here on Animal Radio. What are you working on over there in the newsroom? From the Bulldog that. Newsroom. <laughs> that is a great story, Hal. I can't wait to hear that one. About the pit bulls. Now, um, I got another feel-good story for you, too, so we're here to make you feel better today. Think about a, uh, back to maybe a pet that you had in your childhood. Mm-hmm. Could you imagine being reunited with that pet? Oh, that'd be cool. Know, yeah. Ten years later or so? Wouldn't that be cool? I, I've got a real story where that actually happened. Wow. Mm-hmm. Okay, that's on the way. Let's go to the phones for your calls for Dr. Debbie and Joey Villani right now. Hey, Kelly. Hi. How are you doing? I'm good. How are you? Very good. Where are you calling from today? I'm calling from Atlanta, Georgia. Now, where's your southern accent? I don't hear your southern You're a transplant. There. I'm from California. Ah, so what's going on with your pet today? Okay, so I have a miniature wiener dog, and we have two of them, and one has decided to start eating poop. I'm not sure if it's his own poop or the other dog's, and so Ooh. I'm not sure why it started. But on a side note, I do make all of their food, so I'm not sure if that's part of it. So I wanted some mm-hmm. guidance on what we could do or what's wrong with our puppy. All right. And is it a puppy or an older dog? Well, okay, so he's he's one. But he oh, okay. just started doing this maybe two months ago. Okay. Um, yeah. Ish. I'm not sure. Oh, yes. Poop eating is one of the main topics we have in the old veterinary office, and it's so common, so disgusting to us, but it is an instinctual behavior for dogs. Um, you know, if we think about mama dogs, you know, they tend to lick and uh, clean up the urine and feces of the, the newborn pups. So it is a completely normal, instinctual thing. It's when it's gone awry and misplaced in an, uh, a puppy or an adult dog that we see this. Um, so the, the important things to think about are what can trigger this in dogs. And some dogs, um, especially younger ones, I find that it can easily be things like boredom, um, attention seeking or just simply fun to do. <laughs> and right. especially in the younger dogs, that's kind of my, my first focus. And we, we look at that as a training, um, ad- addressing that in a training mechanism. Other causes, which can be more serious or medical in nature, might be things like food allergies or malabsorptive problems, parasites, things of that nature. So usually with a younger dog, I'll start with the training and kind of redirecting the behavior. 
Um, okay. And because it is often boredom related and often supervision related, uh, that, that's the first thing that I'll do is to try to get create a very tired dog uh, by giving them physical and mental stimulation. So that means like, you know, not just things like going for walks and playing ball, but, you know, uh, obedience uh, skills, because that's always using the mind, which actually is more tiring than physically wearing them out. And then decreasing so the opportunity. Think we should, I'm sorry. So you think we should um, incorporate like a little training session of like obedience, like in the daytime to oh, help? Yeah. Or? Absolutely. Yeah. yeah. It, it's a great way to kind of tire a dog out. And anytime I work on my dog's obedience, I can tell they are knocked out and they are more sleepy that night than if they go to daycare and they've played and run and, and okay. done things. It's really, it's just, it's an amazing thing on how um, working out the mind can really tire the body. So okay. that's an important okay. thing. Um, but the, the big thing is when we have multiple dogs is we need to decrease the opportunity. Um, so while we're working on trying to um, have other things that he can do, we want to make sure that we're not setting him up to fail. So that means picking the poop up as soon as it's mm -hmm. pooped. Um, right. And that means going outside accompanying the dogs um, to or, or with him to accompany him outside, preferably on a leash or a head halter. And that way you're basically controlling where he goes and then you can use positive reinforcement when he goes potty in the right spot and then he leaves things alone. And so this is why obedience, I tie it into it because um, you know I teach my dogs um, a command called leave it. And that may be anything I don't want them to touch, whether it be some pills that fall on the floor, you know, a pile of poop um, or a really yummy looking stick that my dog Nikki wants to eat. Um, but when you have a dog on a leash and you're taking them outside to do that you have full control over what they're doing and you can direct it in a positive way and reward them for doing what you want and then just okay. keeping them away from those um, hazards along the way um, that's what about, very important like any like an additive to their food you, you know and they also make their food so is there an additive that there's a lot of things i read about pumpkin i've read you know um yeah. what have you experienced there's a lot of different things you can do, and I would say the first steps are really always going to be training. That's the mainstay of this because, okay. um, you know, and, and I was going to mention another thing is a lot of times as pet owners, we find our dogs running around with poop in their mouth and we just get disgusted and we start yelling and screaming. So this is where it can become a game and our reaction can actually feed th this behavior further. So if you do see your dog with poop in their mouth and they're running around going, ooh, look at this, mom, you need to okay. not make a big deal and use more of a distraction. So, hey, look at this squeaky toy. Look at this great piece of cheese I have. And that becomes the direction yeah. and you don't even try to pry that piece of turd out of his yeah. mouth because that just makes it more fun. Is Train it yourself. dangerous for them to eat it? I mean, I feel like it's going to make them sick. Some dogs can get sick eating poop. Um, other dogs, you know, it is completely, it doesn't harm them, um, other than it can be an opportunity for um, re-ingesting parasites. So that's, uh, right. you know, one right. big thing. But, you know, okay. dogs eat poop all the time and they don't necessarily die from it. So, you know, once we get that, it's okay. It's okay, mom. It's okay. Um, right. you, you can kind of uh, train yourself to, to not make it a big deal. Okay. Um, now, so I, for I a long do... time, I thought it was of my cooking. So um, that's what scared me. So yeah. it's it beneficial also to go to a, a pet nutritionist to make sure that he's getting everything he needs. So maybe there's like the little element of um, 
that's why he's eating yeah. the poop too. It, there definitely are diet components, um, and some dogs that have some of these digestive problems I mentioned will be more likely to eat stool. But I say for the average pet, it's not a dietary insufficiency. This is a behavioral problem. Okay. So okay. save your money on that for right now, and I would really focus right. on the you know behavior training. Um, the other okay. things that you know you mentioned some of the deterrents to add to the food. There's a lot out there. Some people have them work for them, um, but I find that if that's the only way address we address this problem, you will fail because once you stop feeding that, many dogs will go back to that behavior. Um, okay. The different things, you know, there's the meat tenderizer solution, uh, feeding fresh pineapple. Both of those contain a, um, a digestive enzyme called bromelain, and that helps um, to uh, impart a, a different taste to the stool. Um, mm. Also, MSG will, will have some uh, benefit for some dogs in preventing this as well. But I'll tell you, the number one thing that helped me with my dog when she was a puppy was was actually baiting the stool directly, leaving one little pile of poop outside and putting a little bit of Tabasco sauce in the middle of it. Mm. Not on top, but inside. And that's my magic trick. And I will, uh, you know, say that's uh, the key to the success in my household is because we actually hid the Tabasco inside the poop. And yes, as a veterinarian, I was not grossed out. I kind of poked it in there and had a little syringe and we squeezed it in there. So it was quite, uh, you know. And was it just one time? It solved your problem once and that was once and done? Um, no, it took two times. Two times, okay. Oh. Two times. That, and, and, you know, there's still the, uh, my dog has a food allergy, so she's also on a hypoallergenic diet. So, you know, we had some different reasons that we, we know that it happened for her, but as a puppy, she kept doing it and kept doing it. And, uh, you know, it, that's really what, what gave her that deterrent without me being involved in the loop. And she didn't know it was coming from me. It was just like, ooh, this is no longer a fun idea. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So that's good. Well, is our other dog going to pick up his bad habit, or because she's the the next uh, the other puppy is uh, almost one, so I wasn't sure if if she's going to try it because he's showing her the ropes or you know. Yeah, it, not necessarily. So it isn't. Um, sometimes we do have like an adult dog that does this and a younger dog picks up on it. But I find it's not really the other way around where a young dog teaches an older dog. Old dogs, you know, if if they're not um, inclined to do this, um, I don't find that that's something that they say, oh, look, he's playing with that pile of poop. Now, if you run mm-hmm. around and chase after your younger dog and it becomes a way that he gets your attention, then yes, your other dog may in fact um, start to do that just, to, you know, a way to get your attention as well. Right, right. So, as a game. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Well, that's all right. more than uh, I did not think about the um, the boredom. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yes. The joy of poop eating uh, keeps us all well, in the veterinary world busy. Well, I did say one time I think they were mad at me and I was getting dressed upstairs and they came, they came down. It looked like they had like, were playing with poop. It was all over. They were like throwing it at each other. It was awful. Oh. Yeah. Well, we wish you the best of luck with this. Hopefully, these tips will help you fix that problem. Thanks for calling today, Kelly. Thank you. Well, don't you know this healthy serving of animal radio is brought to you by the grain-free Red Barn Naturals canned food for dogs and cats. Always made in the USA with natural, functional ingredients to support your pet's optimal health. You can learn more over at RedBarnInc.com. And thanks, Red Barn, for underwriting animal radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people.
When little Curly, a poodle mix, was rescued by a pet adoption league in Hackettstown, New Jersey, his hair was so badly matted that one of his front paws had to be amputated because the tangles had stopped the blood from getting into it. But Curly got a fancy new leash on life when he was adopted by Sharon and Joe Spitz, who own a canine cafe, a bakery that creates treats for dogs. They said they had no intention of adopting another dog. They already have three, but when they saw a picture of Curly, it was love at first sight. Curly now spends his days working at the bakery, happily greeting the customers and their dogs while wearing fancy collars and outfits. He seems to love his new job and, of course, those doggy treats. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people, too. Animal Radio. We can't tell you why canine caviar is the only alkaline-based dog food. But we can tell you, alkaline is proven to minimize the risk of renal failure and pancreatitis, reduce scratching, cellular degeneration, and disease, keeping your furry friend youthful and healthy longer. And those are the reasons we can fit into this short commercial. But by visiting caninecaviar.com, you'll see exactly what we do to make a better food for your dog. Try the one and only alkaline dog food risk-free. Canine Caviar. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet, and we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. Hi friends, this is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself, there has to be a better way? When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagon tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, Go to fearfreepets.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1 866 405 8405. Here's the number, write it down, okay? 1 866 405 8405. Cost you nothing to reach out to Joey Volani or Dr. Debbie right now. And don't forget, you can also ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and Blackberry. And coming up in just a, oh, about 10 minutes, we're going to do a quick check from the Animal Radio newsroom. And Miss Lori Brooks, what are you working on for this hour? Well, there's a, a food now that experts, uh, researchers are warning about after doing this big study about a type of food or, you know, what we think is a healthy food or a healthy treat that we give our pets that can cause them to be paralyzed. Oh, oh wow. What? Okay. So I'll fill you in on all the details. That's on the way. Toll free one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Joey Volani. I'm sorry, well, I, I got hair in my mouth. There, yeah, I, there's I, hair I, I in the studio, Hal? My, uh, <laughs> my cat is shedding like nobody's business. And I'm well, not... see, this is perfect. Why is that? we're going to talk, because I'm going to talk about how artificial climates will, re, will 
make your pet's coat react differently. Artificial climate, you mean like heating and air conditioning type? Heating and air, yep. You know, just not not the climate that we have outside that Mother Nature has given us, but the one that we have, you know, made for ourselves inside our homes. Okay. It, it appears we have domesticated our animals so much that it's screwing with their coat. And we're going to find out a little bit about it coming up in just yeah. a few minutes with Joey Villani, the dog father. Let's uh, go to James, who has a call for Joey. Hey, James, where are you calling from? Well, right now I'm in uh, Lake Park, Georgia. Lake Park, I'm a Georgia. Yes, sir. I'm a truck driver, and I'm calling for um, a little bit of Joey's advice here. On account of, I have this little pug that loves to ride around with me, but sometimes we stay out on the road for very extended periods of time, and you know, giving him a proper bath is not very feasible. So I'm wanting to know what I could do for him, you know, what products or what procedures I Joey might recommend to keep him clean and, you know, healthy while he's out on the road with me. So let, let me ask you a couple of questions here. What's your main objective is just to clean the dog? Is the dog getting stinky? Is it shedding? Because that's going to determine really, you know, what direction I go in. Yeah, well, I brush him every day. Um, but we're out sometimes for two months at a time. And it gets a bit oily and stuff, you know, and and okay. we're walking around in grass that, you know, I don't know what's in there. I just want to keep I mean, I got front line and all that for him as far as fixing fleas and all that. But, I, I t- you know, he just gets dirty. There's a lot of products out there and wipes that you can go that you can go to the store and and, and get um, a lot of some spray um, dry shampoos and and you know a lot of things out there on the shelves that you can go out and buy. But if you want a real quick fix and this works unbelievable and it's good that you're brushing and combing the dog now because you, you you're removing the dead coat. So if you're used to doing that, you're gonna go to the store and you're gonna buy yourself a 69 cent box of baking soda. Now baking soda you're gonna sprinkle that in the coat now it's going to do two things it's going to number one remove the oil because it's going to absorb so you're going to sprinkle it on you're going to let it sit I don't know, just a couple of minutes, and then you're going to brush it through. Not only is it going to re- absorb the dirt and the oil, it's going to also neutralize any odors, any smells, or anything like that. Um, and it's going when, when you brush it, it's going to fall off the dog after it absorbs everything and fall to the ground. So the best thing to do is, is I wouldn't do this while you're in your truck. I would actually do this outside of the truck when you stop, um, sprinkle the dog with it, brush it through. It's going to be real safe. It's really, it's really good for the coat. Um, the dog is going to smell good. And a r- really good thing and trick with, with um, dogs that have folds in their face, and, and some, some pugs do, some pugs don't, depending on you know how flat the face is. If you use that and you put that in the folds, it will dry out any type of moisture that's in there. And the baking soda portion of itself will um, actually remove any facial odor. It works really good. It's a good thing. It's nice and cheap. And you know what? I think that you'll be really satisfied until, you know, Listen, nothing's ever going to replace a good old soap and water bath, but this is something that you can stretch out with a short-haired dog. Um, you could stretch it out quite some time and think, be real happy with it, too. Well, I'm fascinated because that's one thing I was really worried about was, like, the fold in his face. I mean, I get into a cutis every now and again, and I've been using, like, wet ones and stuff, but... That's a very good tip. I'm and, really thankful. You, you know what? And you can continue to use the, the the wet ones, but um, the baking soda, you know, if, if you wipe it out with the wet ones, go on with the baking soda. And I'll tell you what, you're going to notice that there's no odor from the face. And if there's any irritation, any redness, nine times out of ten, that's going to go away as well. Mm. 
I use that on my mother-in-law. She has a real wrinkly face. How? She does kind of a stinky face, too. So, And I got that tip from you last week. I appreciate that. one 405 8405 Hey, Teresa, how are you? Well, we just adopted a Wheaton Terrier from the local Humane Society, and I had a question about grooming. Um, is there any difference between people haircutting shears and um, scissors that you would use to cut, like, the beard area of a Wheaton Terrier? Absolutely not. The only difference is, is professional groomers usually work with um, with long shears, and it's basically so you can cover more ground. You know, instead of working on a person's head, you're working on a much bigger area. But that's the only thing. If if I was um, the regular, you know, head owner, I would use a, a regular small pair of shears because it's probably a lot safer for you. Okay. Thank you for your call today. The wheat interior, I guess, one of the harder ones to maintain coat-wise, according to Joey Volani here. Extremely, extremely. They um, they knot up real easily if they're not if they're not you know taken care of or brushed. Something to think about if you're thinking of getting one. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five to connect with any one of the Dream Team right now. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at one eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Wait, I forget where I am. Animal Radio. Animal Radio. I love that. Oh, hey, this is Paula Poundstone on Animal Radio. Spay and neuter your pets or we're going to be eaten alive. All dogs should eat a pH-balanced alkaline diet. An alkaline diet reduces health risks and can also reduce scratching, shedding, and hot spots. So does this mean you need to check your dog's pH balance? No, because canine caviar has created the first and only alkaline dog food that is pH-balanced. It also has the highest metabolized calories. What does this mean? Your dog needs to eat less. Get a healthier dog and save money with canine caviar products. Find them at your local pet supply store or online at caninecaviar.com. Hi, everybody. This is Deborah Wilson from Mad TV, and you're listening to Animal Radio. And as my friends would say, this is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. We always want the best for our pets, right? So we give them special, high-quality treats. And raw chicken necks, as gross as that sounds, they're great for dogs, or they used to think so. And the thinking is, though, not anymore. They're not the healthy treat they were thought to be. Because there's a new study that's out from the University of Melbourne in Australia. So because of this research, vets are now warning that raw chicken particularly chicken necks for some reason, can lead to a debilitating and possibly fatal form of paralysis in dogs called acute polyradiculoneuritis. Let's just say APN as it's known for short. The study says that raw chicken and especially chicken necks increases a dog's chances of contracting APN by more than 70 times. So when a dog gets APN, it's usually first noticed that the dog's hind legs become weak and their walking just looks a little unstable. It can then progress to affect their front legs, neck, head, and even their face. APN can indeed be fatal, too, if it paralyzes muscles in the chest cavity, like the heart, 
their heart wouldn't beat. How scary is that? But they say most dogs do eventually recover, though it may take up to six months or more in some cases. APN, if you're thinking this, you're right. It is very similar to the human disease, Guillain-Barre syndrome. This new research showed that dogs with APN were nine and a half times more likely to have had a Campylobacter infection caused by eating raw chicken within the past week of their symptoms coming on. More studies are going to be done on this, but in humans, scientists think that Campylobacter, which is most commonly found in commercial poultry products, contains molecules that are similar in structure to parts of nerve cells, and then that confuses the immune system, so then the body's immune system attacks the body's nerves, resulting in that paralysis. Kind of confusing. I know it can be, but think, no more raw chicken for your pet and just avoid the hassles. More and more we're seeing these these warnings against raw foods coming out, but this one was really strict on raw chicken. Well, the stories of unruly flights caused by animals continue to grab headlines all around the world, such as this one, though it didn't go off as planned for the intended passenger. She had attempted to bring her Hold on. Her pet peacock onto a flight out of New Jersey's Newark Airport. But she was told before boarding the flight that the big bird would not be allowed on the plane, even though the owner had purchased a separate ticket for the peacock. Did you believe it? The, yeah, the story? I saw the video of her bringing it into the airport. I, yeah, think, I think someone set her up for it. I can't imagine someone was that dumb. I don't know. I think she said she bought a Delta. She bought a seat for it. Well, yeah. if she had a letter from her doctor saying that she needed this peacock, <laughs> it might have been God, a different that, Yeah? Just, that just, doesn't it drive you crazy? It does. How and that's why I'm saying it's so, it's so ridiculous. I'm almost saying, like, you know, someone on the other side of, like, the airline industry put her up to it, saying, let's pick an animal that's so ridiculous that all of the country is going to say this should not happen. And then we're going to pay more attention to the, the, you know, the stringent nature of how so many dogs and cats and other critters are flying on airlines that really shouldn't be. Well, if so, it worked because it has brought national attention. I think something is going to be done now. Something they're going to have to make some rules, restrictions, guidelines. You're right, Judy. But and we're all animal lovers, which is probably sounds uh, sounds strange to people thinking, "Well, you guys love pets." Yes, we do. But it's it's people I think who are using their pets and abusing the system to to get their on a plane with them when they need to buy another ticket for it. Well, well, well um, let me play the devil's advocate here because they, they did buy another ticket and yeah. <laughs> a, a peacock, as far as I'm concerned, could be an emotional support animal. There still has to be guidelines. I don't care if the animal is a support animal. What if it's an elephant and it brings you comfort? That doesn't mean you can bring it on a plane. They've got to have some kind of guidelines and rules, restrictions, size, disruptiveness, if an animal will be disruptive, if it's trained. Well, now, how do you know gonna... it's not a well-behaved peacock? Well... I can't imagine. I would say that peacock would actually be better behaved than some of the humans on that plane. Well, you might have a point But wait there. a second. There, they t- there were height and, not height, but, but weight yes. restrictions. Weight restrictions. And, and, size. and size restrictions, actually, okay. on, yes. on the peacock so that it could not fly. And they told the, the pet yes. parent that before the flight. Yes, they did. <sighs> okay. I, I just wonder, how did these people fly beforehand and i mean i've got my own you know social dilemmas to deal with and and i love animals it just and i hope this doesn't sound mean but how did they fly before how did they fly 10 years ago when they didn't have their yeah their dog next to them 
Don't look at me like that. I uh, haven't I haven't done it in years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> oh shoot! <laughs> Those shaming looks I gave you. I know. You. I've died. Yes, I I have been. I've made a made. Uh, what do you call it? Uh, You're reformed. Yes, I am reformed. I haven't done it in years now, and I won't do it again. Well, you used to like take your support tarantulas on the air. Yes, yeah, and nobody uh, would know. On the airplane, yeah. No, I would just put them down my bra. Yeah. Well, you know, whatever it takes, right? <laughs> Finally, a, a Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania woman never imagined, as would most of us, never imagined that we would see our beloved dog from childhood again. But it's happened in this story in a big twist of fate. The dog is back with her former owner after a very long and sad journey. Nicole Grimes was only 10 years old when she got Chloe. It was a Pomeranian poodle mix, a little dog, and she got her as a puppy from her grandmother thinking she was only 10, okay. But four years later, Nicole's dad got a job where he had to work from home, and he thought Chloe's barking disrupted his So, sadly, the family took little Chloe to the local shelter. Now, eight years after Chloe went to the shelter, Chloe the dog is now 12 years old. She appears suddenly on the Facebook page in a photo of one of Nicole's friends with the post saying that, you know, this dog needs a home. Nicole thought the dog in the photo looked very familiar, so she went to the shelter right away to see if it was Chloe. Yep. Luckily, Chloe had a microchip, and it was her. Nicole believes it was kind of, yeah, an angelic gift from her grandmother, the same woman who had given her Chloe as a puppy, but the grandmother had passed away a few years ago. So happy they're reunified. Wow, what a great story. Mm. And the microchip, once again. Yes. Yeah, you're right, Hal. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hi, this is Carrie Annie Nabo from Dance with the Stars. Don't forget to stay new to your animals, and you're listening to Animal Radio. Hello, Animal Radians. It's Robert Semro, your Pet World Insider, here with this week's Animal Radio List, Five Ways to a Healthier and Happy Cat. Most cat owners know that a healthy cat is more likely to be a very happy cat. February is National Cat Health Month, and to that end, I thought I would share five ways to a healthier and happy cat. To begin with, start with nutrition. Your cat's nutrition is so important to its overall existence, it can't be emphasized enough. Cats are naturally predators and carnivores, so an emphasis on nutritional proteins should be at the top of the list. Also, consider providing them smaller but more frequent meals. And finally, make sure that you're giving them the proper portions for their meals. And remember, you can't exercise your way out of a bad diet. Next is fresh water. Fresh water is critical for cats to help avoid urinary problems. Cats have an acute sense of smell, so if you see your cat avoiding the water bowl, consider that it may be a smell of detergents or maybe chemicals from tap water if you're not giving them purified water. Also, what kind of bowl are you using and maybe consider offering multiple bowls for them to choose from. Consider placement of the bowls and how often they're coming to drink from that area. Next, grooming is another way to help keep your cat healthier and happier. 
Cats are often proud self-groomers, but you should be assisting them by brushing them as often as they'll allow, daily if possible. And if you can get into that routine, your cat will look at it as part of your daily bonding time and experience, and it will benefit from a reduction in excess hair and probably less hairballs as well. It's important to have that ability to observe and be in contact with your cat's entire body so that you can notice any changes that may have occurred. This will also help reduce the fear of being touched by strangers. One of my more favorite ways to a healthy cat is engaging the natural cat. And what I mean by that is engaging them to indulge their natural instincts of hunting and giving them a reason to get up and get physically active and mentally stimulated. Utilize their treats in a predator manner by placing them in different areas of the home and giving them a sense and satisfaction of hunting. Toys, challenges, climbing areas and more give them a chance to engage their natural instincts while keeping them satisfied in their non-natural indoor existence. It's fine to let them sleep, but that must be followed up with some bursts of activity to keep them healthy and happy overall. Finally, create stress-free places for them. Give them safe places to remove themselves to. Give them different levels of the home to observe and feel safety from. And when you're engaging with them, be cognizant of their reactions. Are they playful or are they agitated? Keep your energy around them consistent and predictable. Now, cats are majestic beings who deserve the best that their owners can give them, but in a healthy way that promotes healthy and happy outcomes. Share your ways to a healthier and happier cat on our Animal Radio Facebook page. Admit it. You love your dog, and he is part of the family. So, when choosing your next vacation, don't forget Fido. With just a little planning, the entire family can enjoy a road trip. To find the best vacation spot for Spot, subscribe to Fido Friendly, the travel and lifestyle magazine for you and your dog, where each issue includes hotel and destination reviews, where both you and Fido are welcome. Go online to FidoFriendly.com and find out what all the barking's about. It is Animal Radio celebrating the connection with our pets. The toll-free number, one 405 And we'll head back to the phones for calls for Dr. Debbie and Joy Villani. After this, uh, we have Brad Croft. He's the Operations Director of Universal Canine joining us. Hi, Brad. Welcome to the show. Hi. Thank you for having me. What is Universal Canine? So uh, Universal Canine is a nonprofit. We're out of San Antonio, Texas, and what we do is we rescue dogs and train them for various law enforcement activities and then donate them to police departments all around the United States. You know, when I was young, my dad was a cop in D.C. back in the 60s, and they got dogs. They were German shepherds, and they were trained from Germany. They were purebreds, and they're not doing that anymore? You're not using these purebred dogs? No, I mean, those dogs are still used. Um, they're, they're used quite frequently. I mean, that matter of fact, that's what most companies like that are for profit, they, that's what they do. They still sell the dogs to the police. But, you know, my, my company tries to show, you know, the police and sheriff departments that you don't need to spend that money on those dogs and that we have plenty of those, you know, capable dogs in shelters all around the United States that we could be using and, and um, you know, saving their lives to save, you know, many people's lives. I've seen, uh, actually, pit bulls are now being trained for a lot of police work. Is that something new? Yes and no. 
we have about 50 of those dogs out working now. Um, and wow. we got about 10 more fixing to deploy in our next class. Man, th- th- those dogs are fantastic at um, finding narcotics. I mean, they are they excel at that type of work and, and tracking as well. They're, they're very good at, at tracking people. Uh, missing children, same thing. Um, but these, these pit bulls are, are absolutely fantastic. They, you know, in the last 10 classes, the top dog in our class has been a pit bull. Uh, you know, I love that. I love them to get a finally a good reputation. And where yeah. are you getting these pit bulls from? We're getting them from shelters all around the United States. I mean, we get some as far as away as, as Hawaii. I'm, I'm really glad to hear you say, um, Brad, that they are being used as, I call them sniffer dogs, um, oh, yeah. in, in finding scents and stuff. Because I have a pit bull, and I've seen him, and I think he likes to sniff for where wildlife like squirrels and deer have been. And it, it's so funny just to watch him track them over the yard. And I, I don't see them out there, but I often wondered if they would be good for that. Um, man, they are absolutely fantastic at it. And I think as time goes by and as we keep putting more and more of these dogs to work, um, they're, you know, these police departments are going to start to get it. And, and we're just going to have hundreds, if not thousands of, up, you know, these dogs working out there. Mm-hmm. Do you ever have a dog, you start training, you just think, oh, this dog is going to be great, and then a few weeks in, you're just like, mm, maybe <laughs> this dog doesn't have the aptitude to be a police dog? No. Um, to be quite honest with you, we have such a high success rate in our program. Unlike other programs, um, we probably you know, don't see har- almost none of the dogs that we source don't make it. Um, occasionally, 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 like maybe like 2%, um, you know, or maybe even just 1%. I, I mean, I, I don't even know what the percentage is because it's very, very rare that we, um, have a dog that fails out. But what ends up happening is that the shelter that we get them from, we, you know, we already have, you know, all these shelters that we work with and, and, they know that if a dog doesn't work, then they take them back, and then they just find them a good home. But, but like I said, for the most part, all the dogs that we source, they, they make it through our program. When you say source, what exactly do you mean? Are, are you looking for a certain type of dog that you're pulling from shelters? So, yeah, we're, we're looking for high drive, um, you know, high toy drive, you know, dogs. Um, these are the dogs that, that get looked over in adoption events because they're jumping up and down or they're barking consistently or they just got way too much energy for the family. Well, those dogs are the dogs that usually get put down, right, because they're, they're not adoptable. Uh, and those dogs are the dogs that work really, really well for us. Do you have a training experience from before? What, what did you do before this? So, well, before this, I, I used to own a swimming pool company, and um, and how I got into this was that I was on the road a lot, and um, during the the time that I spent on the road, my wife at the time was at home with our daughter, and somebody was breaking into cars in, in our neighborhood, and she was like, I'm scared. I said, well, just get a gun, and uh, she's like, no, 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 I don't want to get a gun, and I said, okay, well, we're going to get one of these dogs. 
And so I ended up getting a dog from a company that, you know, does kind of some of, some of the same stuff that we do now. And I just fell in love with it, you know, dogs with a purpose. And so I just hung around and learned the craft and met people and, and just learned more and more and more. And then finally I was like, you know, I want to do this. <laughs> and so then that that's what led me into this. And then I started off as a for-profit. And then, um, you know, I soon realized that, that, you know, there was all these dogs in shelters that were completely capable of doing the same things that, you know, the dogs that I was buying, uh, these expensive dogs that I was buying from overseas. And so what I, I decided to do is I knew that there was all these other smaller departments that needed these dogs that couldn't afford them. So what I did is I started rescuing a few of these dogs and training them and then donating them to these police departments. Once the word got out how good the, my dogs were, it just took off like wildfire, and then we converted to a, a nonprofit. You're giving back on so many levels. That is awesome. Brad, I thank you for taking time to tell us your story today. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me, and please keep spreading the word for us. We'll keep doing that. If you want to learn more about Brad, we have information over at our website at animalradio.pet. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Red Barn canned food for cats and dogs is grain and gluten-free. Celebrating the connection with our pets, this is Animal Radio, featuring your dream team, veterinarian Dr. Debbie White and groomer Joey Villani. And here are your hosts, Hal Abrams and Judy Francis. It was about a couple of years ago that we lost Boog, the studio stunt cat, a cat that had been with us about 17 years and really was uh, the drive that started Animal Radio. And uh, we carry on in his name. Anything that uh, signifies excellence, I, I use his name. So if a restaurant is really good, I'll say it's Boogalicious <laughs> because his name was Boog uh-huh. because he was all about excellence. And I still, to this day, get a little verklempt, as you can hear in my voice, when I think about him. He uh, was a special he kitty. He was a very special, very special kitty. And you know what? In your life, there may have been a cat or a dog or a ferret or a rat or a peacock that <laughs> meant a lot to you and that you've lost. And you may still be grieving over that animal. We're going to help you today with that. We have an expert who says he can fix your broken heart, or at least help you fix your broken heart. Cool. And he's coming on this hour right here on Animal Radio. So stick around for that. Lori, what are you working on over there in the newsroom? There's some great new information out from the British Medical Journal on dog bites. And they have found that people who are more anxious are more likely, they say anxious or neurotic, are more likely to be bitten by dogs. So... How do you figure out if you're neurotic or not? They actually <laughs> tested this. We'll tell you how they did it. Uh, one in three are neurotic. Look around you. That's you. <laughs> well, you know, it's not a weird association. I had a friend who said that her dog had nipped someone, and then that person who claimed to be a dog, uh, dog person, you know, loved dogs and everything, just like flipped out and was screaming and crying, just like way over the top drama. And I thought... Anybody who's a dog person, that's not a, a normal reaction because, you know, that would just set the dog off more. So I don't think it's too hard to find neurotic people out there. 
No, it sure isn't, uh, especially around here at the... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Al. Yeah. Hey, Jack. Yes. How you doing today? Oh, good, sir. And yourself? Very good. Where are you calling from? Jacksonville, Florida. Jack in Jacksonville, Florida. I have the whole team here for you. What's going on? Okay. Uh, a friend of mine owns a dog, and she's owned it since it was th- uh, he was three years old. It's... Um, it's now 13, and it's a mix between a chihuahua and a terrier, a, a rat terrier. At any rate, um, the dog before she acquired it was abused, uh, but has bonded very closely to its current owner. Uh, and its current owner, however, is going to have me care for the dog indefinitely while she gets some things straightened out. But the dog, um, I guess understandably so, is, is not real friendly with, with most human beings. Mm, and okay. so I'm calling to see what I can do for the dog when it's with me so that, you know, it'll adjust and uh, be a-okay during the time it's with me. Okay, yeah. Well, that's great that you're thinking ahead and trying to set, you know, this this doggy up to having a good good situation and, and hopefully making your life easier. Um, and it, it, so I think a couple of questions I have are about your home environment. And do you have existing pets and are there other people in the home? No, I live alone uh, I, and I don't have any pets. Okay. Well, that sounds like that might be ideal for this guy because um, if we have a dog that already has some... Uh, you know, some phobias or some bad experiences with other people or animals than trying to ask him to acclimate to a new situation where all those variables might be different um, could be a bit overwhelming. And a lot of times I will say, you know, I'll work on um, training and getting him uh, you know, associated with other people and other animals so that we could have a good experience. But at 13 years of age, that my the way I would address it is, what do we want to provide for him? Um, and if we're just trying to give him a loving home without trying to recreate um, a whole new living situation and change the way he is about a lot of things, then I would tend to be a bit more protective, meaning that I wouldn't look out for ways that I could say, oh, let's take him out and go to the dog park and see if we can get him to like dogs now. Um, or, you know, bring him around a lot of children at a school, because if those aren't the things that he's accustomed to right now, um, I see it as he's in his geriatric years and he, he's, he's looking forward to, you know, living that out comfortably. So as the pet owner, I would tend to protect him from those things as much as possible, um, as long as you can. And that's something within his environment. Now, as you make friends with him, you haven't met him before. You're just going to. Well, he's been over to the house twice and okay. uh, he's done a OK over at the house. He was over for the full day on each occasion. The last okay. time being Christmas. But when the owner stepped out for a little while, he got kind of edgy. But mm-hmm. then when the owner came back, he was, you know, back to normal. And, and and he did well with this on Christmas Day because he'd be, you know, at the dinner table kind of circulating, you know, uh, making weaving patterns between all, all our legs and whatnot at the table. And mm-hmm. um, he seemed very content. He even let me pet him at one point. Okay. 
All right. Well, and then that's great that you had some exposure with him in your home. What I would say is if possible with that existing owner is if you guys can do some other activities outside of the home where it's not always where, you know, she's there and then she departs and then he's stuck there with you. So it might mean going for a walk and then you're the one walking him, um, you know, giving him treats along the way. Um, And, you know, with her present, that helps to give him a sense of calm. Um, And then important things, um, of course, are, you know, making him recognize that you are the source of all wonderfulness in his life um, when this transition is made. So, you know, making sure that food is given directly from you. Um, instead of leaving an open bowl, um, he sees that you put the food down and that means, hey, this guy's okay. It's one way that we can just assert that we are the leader in a household and that we're also the provider. And it helps to relax pets that might have some anxious tendencies. I don't have to worry where the food is coming from. I don't have to protect my food. Um, it's coming for me. This guy's given it to me. Um, and that's a really powerful thing. I, I can't stress um, the power of uh, the doggy food <laughs> enough. Um, as long as his you know, diet and his weight permit, that is a very important way to get him more comfortable. Um, the other things that I like to do around the house are you know, just comfort things. Um, trying to transfer as much of his existing belongings, um, beds, uh, comfort zones, uh, whatever he might have. And then um, using pheromones. Um, I use pheromones and then calming um, treats. Uh, VetraScience has a nice one as well. And uh, using those as a natural way to help a pet in a more uh, stressful or anxious situation. And uh, that can that can go a long way without bringing in medications and drugs that we have to, you know, drug him up for the situation. So I, I hope that gives you some help there. Um, Any suggestions about when I go to take him for a walk, I don't want him to bite me when I try to put him on the leash and he is timid. Yeah. So for some folks, um, for pets that are hard to um, collect, um, and I have trouble with this with my uh, my in-law's dog. He's, he's a little slippery sucker. Um, you definitely have to maintain control at some time. So that may mean leaving a harness on him with a little tab leash, which means just like a little short uh, extension leash. Um, and then also food. You know, making sure that we're not leaving food out. We're using the presenting of the food as an opportunity to get him where you need. So if that means pulling him into, say, a laundry room and shutting the door behind him, then you have an enclosed area where you can put a slip leash on him or grab that tab off of his harness. Um, and, and that's the real thing. You don't want to push him because um, they're just like cats in these situations. You know, if they're fearful, one negative experience is going to set you back further. So um, yeah. being patient and then finding a way to set this up physically in your home so you're not chasing him about and it's not becoming a, you know, a stress for you and him. Thank you so much. Yeah, let us know how it goes. Follow up with us, will you, Jack? Okay. Hey, thanks for listening to Animal Radio. Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. And don't forget, you can ask your questions from the free Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. We are going to line three, which we've neglected today. And we have David. Hey, David, how are you doing? Pretty good. How are you doing? Doing good. I have Joey Volani. Let's all bow. Dog father Joey Volani here for you. What's going on there, David? You having a shedding problem or something? Yes, sir. I'm having shedding problems with both my dogs, and I was just wondering if you had any advice that I could, that could help. You have two dogs? Yes, sir. Okay, uh, what kind of... It's a, a Dachshund mix, and then the other one is a rat terrier, both short hair. Oh, okay, so the Dachshund mix is a short hair. It's not a wire hair, correct? Yes, sir. It's 
short hair. This is a, this is an easy fix. Um, what you're gonna do is you're gonna go to your local um, you know, pet store in town. Okay, and you're gonna ask for a rubber curry brush. Now it's going to be. Sometimes they're round. Sometimes they're rectangular. They could be square, but they're gonna. It's 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 almost like a massage brush is what it looks like. It's gonna have just rubber dense bristles, um, real tight together. And what you're going to do is you're going to run that over the dog's coat, almost as if you're giving the dog a massage. Your pet's going to like it. You're going to run it down the back, down the legs, down the side. You are going to be surprised because when you first look at this brush, you're going to say, what is he talking about? This does, this isn't going to do anything, but trust me. It's going to pull out so much hair in the first few strokes of, of the brush, you're going to be surprised. You do that for a little while, I'm going to say each day, until you get to a point where the shedding is tolerated, and then basically you can get away with doing it once a week. Do it on both dogs. The other good thing about it is their coat's going to come in real shiny. They're going to look better, and you're going to be a hell of a lot happier. All right. All right. Is that like curry, like C-U-R-R-Y, like the, the spice? Yeah, it was spelled the same way, actually, yes. All right, well, I, I hope that. it. I, I, you know what? I, I, I'm not gonna say I hope it helps. I know it's gonna help. So, okay. there you go. Thanks. All right, right. Nice call that. One eight six six four zero five eight four zero five. Alan Cable with your real dogs doing amazing things. Watch. Probably didn't know this, but during World War One, pit bulls were revered. They were on all the war posters, and the dog and the little rascals is a pit bull. It seems like every decade has its vilified dogs. I remember back in the 70s, I think it was Dobermans, and then in the 80s it was Shepherds, and then in the 90s it was Rottweilers. It's been pit bulls for a long time now. So here's a real stray pit bull who did an amazing thing. The dog was walking down the street in a small Georgia town when a man whipped out a knife while arguing with a woman. Responding police officers gave the dog the name Hero, and rightfully so. After he was able to fend off the predator so that the woman could actually escape. In the process, Hero was stabbed by the guy with the knife five times. Hero's now at a pet adoption agency in Tennessee called Fighting for the Bullies. Some lucky person's going to be able to take him home in just a couple of weeks. This is Animal Radio, baby. Those big, scary storms can be terrifying for your pet. And we know that when they're stressed, so are you. Take good care of your buddy with VetraScience Composure. VetraScience Composure helps ease anxiety for pets caused by storms, travel, and owner separation. It won't sedate them, and your pets will love the taste. Also, try our Glycoflex for hip and joint health, as well as multivitamins and probiotics. Find VetraScience supplements at your local pet store, Petco, or your vet. Learn more at VetraScience.com. You're listening to Animal Radio. Call the Dream Team now at 1-866-405-8405. That gets me every time. You should see Judy dancing in studio with that song. And she used to dance with... Yeah, I know. She used to dance with Boog, the studio stunt cat. He loved to dance. Every time you do that, I, I get reminded of him. And it, is that a good thing or a bad thing? Well, you know, it's it's tough. Uh, yeah. He passed, what, a couple of years ago now? It's been about a year and a half. Yeah, yeah I'm still having yeah. trouble with that. I still think about that yeah. all the time. And uh, I'm going to ask this guy. We have coming on the show today, Dr. Guy Winch. He apparently is a uh, an authoritarian on broken hearts. Oh, good. He'll, yeah. Maybe he'll help you. I don't he'll know if he's you. had a lot of broken hearts. I don't know what makes you an expert, an on, expert on it. I don't know. But hopefully he'll help me with... My broken heart for my cat that uh, passed a couple of years ago. She oh, he a was a very special kitty. He though. was very yes, special. Yeah, I know. 
that's the one thing that most of us pet guardians feel at one time or another is the uh, grief of losing a, a loved one, a pet, which mm-hmm. can be really traumatic. It can be, as I've mentioned before, much more traumatic than losing Uncle Louie. Well, they're with us, you know, every day. We spend a lot of time with them. They give us unconditional love. Plus Uncle Louie, he just he kind of <laughs> smells. <laughs> Well, and you know, I think that for people that don't have pets, it's just, it can be a very hard thing for people to understand. You know, if you're, you're torn up about the loss of your pet, um, yeah, yeah. Well, they, they can't it. process it. Yeah. I didn't tell a lot of people cause I don't think they get it. At no. least the people that aren't in my pet world, you know, be- yeah. because they might laugh. They might, uh, think, why are you so upset? It's just a cat. Oh, go get, another, get another one. one. Yeah. 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 Okay, so that's on the way in just a few minutes. Actually, next hour right here on Animal Radio. you got to stick around for that. We're going to go to your calls toll-free at 1-866-405-8405. Lori is working on news for the bottom of the hour. What do you have coming up this hour? Well, how Valentine's Day went to the dogs, but we're kind of <laughs> happy about that. We'll tell you about it. <laughs> that's on the way. one 405 8405 to connect with any one of the Dream Team. Hi, Joan. Hi. Where are you today? Michigan. How can we help you? I have the good doctor right here. Hello. Yeah, hi. I'm a licensed veterinary technician, and I've run into this so many times that maybe you could reach more people than I can, where breeders of dogs want to vaccinate their dogs when they're four weeks old and not even wean for their mothers. Uh Uh-huh. And that vaccine really doesn't do them any good because it's got the mother's immunity. Very likely not. Yes, you're correct. And uh, are you having issues with that, or is that just something you want to bring in awareness to? Bring in awareness to, and we've had two litters of puppies that came down with Parvo because they thought it was safe, and it really mm-hmm. wasn't. They, they probably started with vaccinations at a very early age and stopped too soon. Correct. So what's the okay. right age to vaccinate? No, that's a great question, Hal, when you put it that way. Well, when we have to remember, puppies have um, immunity that they gain from their mom, and then they have immunity that they will develop on their own after vaccinations. So it really depends on a lot of those early exposures. So maternal immunity is really a function of a lot of different factors. So does mom have a background on immunity for these infectious diseases? If yes, great. If not, She's starting with zero protection. She's not passing anything to those babies. Also, um, we need to ingest the colostrum, that very important milk in the first day or so of life. If that's not really adequately ingested, yeah, we're not going to get good immunity from the mom. Also, pups can vary on how they absorb this. So all of those things kind of play a role. But for most guidelines, we know that we would want to start a puppy into a vaccine series, usually at six to eight weeks. And the question, common question is, when does mom's immunity wear off? Can't we just start then? And that is a very complicated um, answer because we, we don't know. We can tell you what window it may be anywhere from that moment that puppy is dropped on the earth till about 12 to 15 weeks is really that period of time when their body is going to start hopefully kicking in and responding to a vaccine. But as long as mom's immunity is in the system, it will interfere with any vaccine that you're giving with a few exceptions, I will say. So the big puzzle is, well, 
you know, when is mom stuff wearing off and when do we need to start? The best recommendation, and you have a very good point here, Joan, is that follow the recommendations of your veterinarian. The veterinarian is these one schooled and your licensed veterinary technicians. So I'll put you in that category as well. Um, because they know the immun immunology that goes along with it. They may not be able to say it like me, but, <laughs> <laughs> but, um, so we have to take more into that than just throwing random vaccines at it ages when it's not really appropriate or the puppy can't really respond to it. So at least in my office here, our puppy protocol. If we see a puppy at six weeks of age, that's when we start them off in the series. We see them back in two weeks at eight weeks for the next set. Then at 12 weeks, and then we go all the way till 16 weeks. And that timing and the frequency is very important. So you want to follow through with all of that because they can get infectious disease if you fall and miss a dose or miss a timing um, or you delay it. So very important message there, Joan. Thank you so much. 1-866-405-8405 if you have a question for Dr. Debbie. She takes the vet medical questions. We also have dog father, Joey Villani, uh, with your grooming questions all here on Animal Radio. Dogs or cats, horse or emu, animals are people too. It was only meant to be a safety drill at a zoo, but dozens of children were left in tears after an escaped animal drill went all wrong. The idea was to test the readiness of the staff at a Tokyo Zoo in a well-intentioned practice drill based on a scenario of a strong wind blowing a tree into an enclosure, providing a way out for an orangutan. The overacting actor jumped out of the cage and began running around the zoo, scattering the crowd. The oranga actor grabbed an employee and was promptly shot with a fake tranquilizer gun. He dramatically fell to the ground and that's when all the kids started crying. It took some time, but the staff was finally able to convince everyone that it was all an act. I'm Britt Savage for Animal Radio. Animals are people too. Animal Radio. If you think putting a supercharged V8 in a sedan is crazy or just plain wrong, well, we've got news for you. We don't care. Dodge, welcome to the Brotherhood of Muscle. Hi, this is Ed Begley Jr. on Animal Radio. Live simply so that others may simply live. This is an Animal Radio News Update. I'm Lori Brooks. Hey, if you've ever been nervous around a dog, maybe not because you're definitely a pet person, or, you know, maybe it was a long time ago or you had to tell somebody else to be calm because dogs can smell fear. You've heard that, right? Well, it turns out that's good advice, although most people can't suddenly calm their fears like that. But the sentiment behind the guidance is rooted in some truth. While dogs cannot literally smell fear with their nose, uh, they do seem to respond to fearful people with more aggression, according to a new study in the British Medical Journal. This new research also found that anxious, neurotic people are more likely to be bitten by dogs, too. They say men were almost twice as likely to report a bite than women, and dog owners were over three times more likely to have suffered a dog bite. But the slim majority of bites, right around 55%, happened to people who had never met 
the dog before that biting incident. Another pattern researchers found was that people who were less emotionally stable and more anxious were also more likely to receive a dog bite. I thought the same thing. How in the world did they figure that out, right? Well, I did some research. This is what I found. They had a special scale. And for each drop in this one to seven scale, uh, scale measuring neuroticism, um, seven being the most stable on that scale, the associated risk of a bite in one's lifetime rose by 33% with each increment between one and seven. Now, if anxiety and other risk factors like being male uh, do turn out to be a trigger for dog bites, they say that could then lead to more educational initiatives, more tailored to specific risk groups like men, children, and those less emotionally stable, although they don't always seem to realize it. Well, I hope you had a loving and special, memorable Valentine's Day. Chances are that your pets did. The numbers are in, and consumer spending for Valentine's Day was estimated to have grown 8% this year over last year. And that growth is thanks mostly to those people who showered their pets with Valentine's gifts and surprises. What? What? Really? Really? I mean, I love my pet like anybody else, I think, but getting your pet Valentine's Valentine's, gifts? It's those millennials. Okay. I do for Christmas, but not for Valentine's. Yeah. Well, you're not a millennial. They say Valentine's spending increased to $19.6 billion after it fell for the first time since the recession last year. But this year, if you were online, you might have seen, um, I did, that Amazon had at least maybe more than a dozen pages of Valentine's Day-themed merchandise for people to buy their pets. I'm glad that none of my cats have shunned me because I I didn't get them anything for Valentine's Day. I was going to open that story with Valentine's Day has gone to the dogs, but then I thought, no, that's too typical. It's gone to dogs and cats and fish and ferrets and everything else. Well, pets heal your soul and your body. We know that. But the responsibility of caring for one is maybe just a little bit more than some people can handle. Or sometimes it's things like allergies, maybe older people with mobility issues or or rules in your apartment building, uh, and a number of other factors. I mean, it could be almost anything that stands in the way of bringing a four-legged furry friend into your life. But Cubo wants to change that. Cubo is a Japanese company that has created a headless pet robot. (laughs) A headless pet robot. It's not what it sounds. Basically, it's a pillow with a tail that they call a therapeutic robot in the form of a cushion. Uh, Like a loving pet, this pillow or cushion responds to your touch. And the hair on it seems is is quite long, but it's also, um, gosh, really soft. So... (laughs) Like a loving pet, you, you, you scratch it or you touch it, and the tail wags. So the company claims that giving love to the pillow will pay off by lowering your stress level. So I thought this was a pretty cool story. It's, it's weird. Comes, it, yeah. It is it weird. Is, it is weird, but I thought, you know, it comes in two colors and uh, retails now. This was what I thought was bizarre. It's expensive, but I guess that's a technology for it. $92.00. But they got all the money they needed through a Kickstarter campaign, so it'll be on the market in the fall. I, I mean, why can't they make a little more effort and make it at least into the shape of an animal around? It, it looks like, well, it looks like a cat 
without a head. It looks yeah, like a headless cat. It, it looks like a really that. fat cat yeah. without a head. And uh, if you want to see what it looks like, head on over to our Facebook page where we have we actually have a video of this cat in action at our Facebook page. So you want to check that out. You know, I think it might work if you have the money and you can get that for, say, a, a grandparent or a parent who's in a, um, a long-term care facility, a nursing home or what. It would be great. I'm Lori Brooks. Get more breaking animal news anytime at AnimalRadio.com. This has been an Animal Radio News Update. Get more at AnimalRadio.com. Hey, folks, this is Jackson Galaxy. You're listening to Animal Radio. Please do everyone a favor, spay or neuter your animals today. You're listening to Animal Radio. If you missed any part of today's show, visit us at AnimalRadio.com or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone and Android. It is Animal Radio, celebrating the connection with our pets, the pets that give us unconditional love, uh, the loves of our lives. Sometimes we love them even more than the human people in our lives. I've mentioned that before, and I'm not ashamed about that. <laughs> but I will tell you that uh, one, of the, one of the most depressing things about having an animal, because there are a couple of things, not a lot, it's hard, but one of the, they have such short lives, oh, you know? I know. That's the down point, yeah. Yes. If you own an animal, you're ultimately, at one time or another, going to have to deal with the grief of losing them. And I have, I try to think about how many animals I've lost now. But Quite a few. And some of them just... And it never gets easy. No, it no. doesn't. Never. It doesn't. Yeah. I, I still have heart pings when I think mm-hmm. about some of the animals that have left a long time ago. Um, so, yeah, it's, it's a broken heart. We heard that story, what was it, a couple of weeks ago about a lady who had a broken heart, literally had a broken heart? Yeah, she actually had classic symptoms of a heart attack after the death of her little Yorkie Terrier. She had a broken mm. heart. Yeah. This can happen. On the phone with us right now, we have Dr. Guy Winch, and he has written a book called How to Fix a Broken Heart. Guy, welcome to the show. Thank you very much for having me. First of all, what makes you an expert on broken hearts? I'm a psychologist, and I've been in private practice for many years, and I'm also uh, well-versed in the research. And uh, one of the things I noticed in my practice is that when people lose their pets, their hearts do get broken. And unfortunately, uh, while their hearts get broken, it's one of those things that the people around them take much less seriously um, than, than they should. And so it's one of those forms of grief that are unsanctioned in our society. No one's going to work saying to the boss, I need time off because my cat died. Um, and yet the grief we can experience can be, as you said, as severe as when we lose a first-degree relative. Yeah. I know that uh, during the times that I've lost these uh, animals throughout my life, I did find it kind of hard to tell people because I, I was afraid they would scoff at it. And that just complicates the grief. In other words, the, the science is very clear that we experience that grief very profoundly, and there are all kinds of psychological reasons we do experience the grief profoundly, because animals have incredible functions in our lives, and yet it's such a shame that the you know, emotional and social support, which are shown to be very important factors in our recovery, are often denied us, and we even feel silly about asking for them. In your book, you talk about mistakes that uh, you should avoid when, when one of your pets died. What are some of those tips that you can impart to us? 
So it's a very individualized situation. For example, let's talk about reminders. You know, if, if your dog dies, should you leave out their bowls and the grooming tools and their, and their mat where they used to sleep? And should you keep all those things around or should you put all of them away? Well, it's a very individualized situation. What you need to do is monitor the recovery of your grief. And if you've kept everything out and you, and you find that you're not moving forward, you're not recovering, the pain isn't lessening, this thinking about it doesn't lessen, you should probably put them away. And if you put them away too suddenly and you're trying to shove it out of your mind, but you can't stop thinking about it anyway, then you need to process it and you need to talk about it. So grief is a very individualized thing. But one of the most important things is that uh, our pets connect us to all kinds of social activities, to all kinds of groups, to all kinds of other people, the people we meet in the dog run, the people mm-hmm. who post the same pictures we My do neighbors. on social media. Yeah. Your neighbors, mm-hmm. you're known as the mother or father of the name of the animal. <laughs> no one knows your name. No right. one knows about your name. But, oh, my God, the dog's so cute. And you lose all of that. You suddenly, people experience, oh, I'm walking around the neighborhood, and rather than being stopped every block five times, um, I'm invisible. I'm anonymous. So you lose parts of your identity. So uh, one of the main tips is you have to very much identify the voids that the loss created in your life and find ways to fill them. We are with Dr. Guy Winch talking about that broken heart that you feel after your pet passes. Up next, we're going to ask him about probably one of the biggest questions we get here If I get another pet after my pet has died, is that okay or is that disloyal to the pet that died? Oh, like you're not thinking that, right? Okay, that's up next right here on Animal Radio. Stick around. You're listening to Animal Radio. Find us at AnimalRadio.com. Log on, learn more. In today's automotive news, in Boston, a new startup called Shepherd is turning Land Rover vehicles into school buses, and now your child will not have to ride those awful yellow monsters, instead being whisked to school in luxury. They have a real school bus sign on the top and have full-time employees who pass tests similar to those required by school bus drivers. For $17 a ride, Shepherd can take your precious bundle of joy to any one of 14 educational institutions, if you have good taste. For more, go to ourautoexpert.com. I'm Nick Miles. If you think putting a supercharged V8 in a sedan is crazy or just plain wrong, well, we've got news for you. We don't care. Dodge. Welcome to the Brotherhood of Muscle. People say less is more. At Red Barn, we think less is better. It's what you won't find that sets our natural premium pet food apart. No byproducts, no corn or soy, no fillers. Just the natural ingredients your pets need to live the healthy life they deserve. Look at the label. We want you to. Red Barn Naturals Pet Food. Simply the best. Find it in your local pet specialty store. Try our grain-free rolled food. It's protein-packed with less risk of food sensitivity. Hi, friends. This is Dr. Marty Becker, America's veterinarian. After a traumatic experience at the veterinary office, have you ever thought to yourself... There has to be a better way. When your veterinarian is fear-free certified, you'll find your pet's vet visit is safer, more comfortable, and actually enjoyable. Your dog will go from shaking in the lobby to pulling you into the exam room with a wagging tail, and your cat will be purring inside the carrier. To find a certified fear-free veterinarian near you, go to fearfreepets.com. Alan Cable with today's Goose Story. Lucy, you got some flaming goose. That's Bob. He's got some geese that are named after sitcom characters, and they just want to stay together. 
I always loved I Love Lucy. Bob's afraid he might have to get rid of the geese. And said, you have 10 days to get rid of it. He lives in the town of Beloit, and there's an ordinance that prohibits his geese. It was a shock. Bob's also disabled, so he's medically allowed to have the geese. Pets. I have to get up and let them out every day. Bob started a Change.org petition that already has a thousand signatures from all over the world. One of the first long distance one was Alaska, and I was excited about that. But then it started coming in Australia, Germany, Japan, <laughs> just everywhere. Bob has to pay 200 bucks out of his own pocket to make a variance request, and there's no guarantee he'll get to keep his geese. Once something gets in your heart and it's there, it's embedded in you, and they're embedded in me, and I'm embedded in them. This is Animal Radio. It's Animal Radio, and we are with Dr. Guy Winch, and we're talking about that broken heart that you feel when one of your pets passes. Well, I have a question. What about, like, in my practice, a lot of clients will go out and get the same appearing dog. So they may get out, go get another white, fluffy Maltese and name it the same name. Is that a good strategy or a bad strategy? Again, it depends if it, if it works for the person. We know that typically um, getting another pet can actually be helpful, but it depends how quickly you do it. In other words, if you're getting another pet the day your pet dies, then you're in a way trying not to deal with that grief, and that can actually, you know, uh, fester a little bit. Mm-hmm. But if you've mourned the animal for a bit, and then you decide, you know, I love that animal so much, I'm going to get another one, I think that should be fine. The naming of the pet, uh, the same name, I mean, we name our children the second, the third, the fourth, and, you know, Shamu, there's only one Shamu, but there are 100 killer whales. So um, that's not a practice that's that foreign. But again, I think that if you're trying to do it to not deal with the loss, that might be problematic. If you're doing it having dealt with the loss, I think it can have to be very useful. Mm. You know, I see these people spending about 50 to 75 grand to clone, oh, at least get yeah. DNA right now from their pet, so that when their pet dies, they can carry on the DNA and clone that animal. What do you think of that? Well, my honest opinion, I think that's a little bit silly because if you get another, you know, a pet, if it's a dog of the same breed, they're likely to have very similar personalities. And, you know, I'm an identical twin, by the way. And so I can tell you from, um, from original cloning um, that um, you can have the same DNA and still turn out different in all kinds of different ways, you know. So um, you're actually much better served uh, getting another animal that already exists rather than spending all that money trying to replicate to the T, uh, an animal which you'll get, you know, 95 similarity with if you go with a similar breed. Mm. Well, that's the thing I hear from everybody is that, you know, I won't get another pet because I, I just... Um, Can't go through it again. It's such a painful experience, I'll never go through it again, or I feel guilty like I'm replacing the ah. pet. Yes, and guilt is a big problem with pets because... Because pets can't speak to us, because they can't let us know if something's hurting or bothering them, a lot of the times we find out when they're failing really badly or we don't know they're about to die and, you know, we left the house to go to work because they couldn't tell us that they're, you know, barely holding on. And and so we tend to feel very guilty. And, and, And part of what I talk about in the book is that we have to recognize that the loyalty that we experienced from that pet really went two ways, that we tend to be extremely loyal to our pets and we tend to favor them sometimes like said over over humans and over people in our lives and i'm not saying that's a bad thing because pets can sometimes do a better job for us than the people in our lives can but um you know we have to recognize all we've done and the and the quality of life that we've given to our pet and and realize that you know we've really um given them uh, as as great a life as we could give them and 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 guilt is in a way sometimes easier to feel than grief and it's really about grief it's not about guilt mm. 
you've made me rest easier because <laughs> I, I have this pillow that is from a cat that uh, passed uh, about a year ago, and I'm holding on to it. My wife wants me to get rid of it, but it still smells like her, mm. and, and I just won't get rid of it yet. You know, when, when we lose... Uh, you know, a very dear, you know, whether it's an animal or a person, a year later, we, when we think about them, it's going to evoke an ache. It's going to evoke sadness when we think about them. But we should be at the point where we are thinking about them, you know, in a, in a conscious way rather than thoughts about them constantly invading our thoughts and images of them invading our thoughts in an, in an unwanted way. So if, if you are still preoccupied, if you are walking around thinking about it on a regular or a daily basis, um, then uh, it might not be a good thing because you might not have fully processed the grief. But if you have, and this is just one of those reminders that, that you know, when you look at it or when you, when you smell it, it kind of gives you a moment of nostalgia, and then you can move on and enjoy your evening, that would be okay. If it sends you to a place where you're then depressed and don't want to speak to anyone, no. The book is called How to Fix a Broken Heart. The author, Dr. Guy Winch, joining us. Thank you so much. I'm, I think we have 10 copies to give away. Yes, Is that do. correct? No, oh, nine copies. Nine copies yeah. to give away. <laughs> hmm, that's an odd number. One for every cat's life. There you go. <laughs> Toll free, 1-866-405-8405. If you're not lucky enough to get on through, head on over to Amazon.com or your favorite bookstore and ask for How to Fix a Broken Heart by Dr. Guy Winch. Thank you so much for spending time with us today. Thank you very much for having me. Okay, it's uh, pretty much time for us to get on out of here. Besides, my emotional support peacock needs to be taken for a walk. You don't want that peacock doing anything in the studio here. So no, I'm gonna, I'm no gonna, that wouldn't be pretty. You take him out right now. But you know for sure if we hear of one of those stories this week that we are going to tell you about it next week here, okay? Damn straight. Trust, we always have those bizarre... <laughs> I want my bizarre animal to go on the plane with me story. (laughs) And if you need your fix during the middle of the week, you can head on over to animalradio.pet or download the Animal Radio app for iPhone, Android, and BlackBerry. If you happen to have a Yorkshire Terrier, a Shih Tzu, a Pug, or a Mini Schnauzer, check out Dr. Debbie's books, How to Be Your Dog's Best Friend, over at uh, Amazon. They're Kindle books. Awesome books, by the way. And we'll see you next week for more Animal Radio right here. Have a great one. Bye-bye. Bye. Talk to you next week. This is Animal Radio Network.